All right, enough announcements. With that, let's uh, pray, and then we're going to jump into God's Word. Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to be here this morning. Lord, we've sung of your faithfulness to us. We've sung of your, your sovereignty. Lord, we're so grateful that that's, the who, that's who you are. Thank you, Father, that you're a God who has, is not, over, not only above us and beyond us and holy and perfect, but, Lord, you're a God who's come near. Thank you, Father, that you're a, a personal God. And, and, Lord, you're even here with us right now. Thank you, Lord, that we have an opportunity to, to, to open your word and to reflect on, on truths that help us to live a life better suited for your kingdom. So we pray, Father, that you would help us to that end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, it's, uh, it's not um, missed on me, although I didn't realize this when I picked this topic. Um, so we're going to talk about rest this morning, that, that today was uh, daylight savings time, so you were supposed to get an extra hour of rest. So I, I, I hope some of you were able to do that. Rest. Doesn't, doesn't that sound like such a good thing? Um, now, don't do it during the service, all right? I don't want that. But, um, but yet it seems that we struggle so much with it to be able to rest. You know, we work hard all year long, right, for that two weeks of vacation time that we get, and we think, finally, I'm going to get some rest, right? And we go away on our vacation with high hopes, and we come back more tired than we were before and can't wait to get to work so we can get some rest, right? You are with me? Yeah. Um, and that brings us to work. As a culture, we are chronically over worked. You know, we even brag about how busy we are as if that's a good thing. And yet we know that overwork is a bad, it's not good for us, it's bad for us. Um, I mean, think about families. You know, it's bad for families. We need to spend time together with our families, and yet we struggle to quote-unquote find the time to be able to do that. I mean, how often is that we actually able to sit, we actually still sit down together as a family and eat meals together? Or, or get together and do stuff together as a family with just family activities. Um, we, we know that it's bad for our health. I mean, overwork is often a factor in many medical conditions, including heart disease, uh, lung ailments, cancer, and, and accidental injuries. Because we know that our bodies, you know, oftentimes this contributes to stress, and we know that that's bad for our bodies because it makes our bodies not function as they ought. You know, studies have been shown that, that people who work 11 plus hours a day, this is a crazy statistic, are 250% more likely to struggle with depression than people who work eight hours a day. Why is it that we struggle so much with work? Well, I just suggest a few reasons. I think one of the more obvious is, is because we think that, that work is how we provide for ourselves. I mean, we believe that we need to have all kinds of things, and so we're driven to go to work to get them. Now, no, 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 don't get me wrong. Work isn't a bad thing, all right? I mean, God gave Adam work to do before the fall. So work in and of itself isn't the problem. The problem is, is the reason that we do our work. It's that we tend to look to work to meet our needs instead of looking to God to meet our needs. I mean, and, and it's not a sermon we're going to talk about today, but quite honestly, that's what tithing is all about. Tithing is all about reminding us that we need to trust in God, that he's the supreme provider. Well, secondly, why do we struggle so much with work? I want to suggest also it's, it's because it's how we establish our identity. 
You know, it's often the second question we ask somebody. The first question is, what's your name? Right? And the second question, what do you do for a living? And unfortunately, too often, we allow what we do to define who we are instead of allowing God to define who we are and then allowing that to inform what we do. Thirdly, I think that we struggle with work is because we're, we're driven to work because, to overwork because we, we're trying to please people or, or maybe we're trying to measure up to God. We think that, that if we can do just, you know, whatever people want, then, then they'll accept us or, or, or if we can accomplish thus and so, then, then we're a somebody, then we'll matter. I mean, we can't say no, we can't, we can't fail because if we do, that would make us a, a failure, a, a, a reject. You know, and unfortunately, oftentimes for us as Christians, we're just as driven. We feel that to be a Christian just means having more stuff that we have to do, right? We have to go to church. We have to serve. We have to do our spiritual disciplines, right? And we have no idea what it means to find our rest in Jesus Christ. Now, with all that being said, I'm going to ask if you would to take your copy of the Bible and to turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And I want to read together with you verses 28 to 30. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. For your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The first thing I want us to focus on here is, is how do we understand even what rest is? What's a definition for rest? I think oftentimes we think that rest is to stop working. But let me ask you have you ever tried to go to sleep and you couldn't fall asleep? Right? I mean, you toss and you turn all night long, and even though you're physically exhausted, it just sleep's not coming, right? And you, you stopped working, but what? But yet you're not getting rest. Um, now, on student retreats, which, which I do, you know, it's never a good thing when a student, 15 minutes before he's supposed to go to bed, he opens up a, a two liter of Mountain Dew and starts to drink it. That, that's never a good thing, you know? Having too much caffeine in your body, though, is not what I'm talking about this morning. We're talking about rest, right? I'm talking about a different kind of restlessness. I'm talking about a soul restlessness. I mean, possibly there was, there was there's something on your mind that you can't stop thinking about. You know, you're, you're worried and you're anxious and you can't just shut your mind off. And I want you to notice here in, in, in this passage, in verse 29, Jesus describes the kind of rest he's talking about. He says, you will find rest for your souls. Jesus here is talking about soul rest. We need physical rest, and that's important, but, but often we aren't even able to get physical rest because we're not experiencing soul rest. Soul rest is to experience the rest that's beneath the rest. We, we all have this inner murmur that says that I, I need to prove myself. We inherently know that we're not good enough, and so we try to justify ourselves by, by what we do. And that work makes all other work wearying because no matter how much we work, 
We know it's never enough. So what does it mean to get this rest? Well, if you go back to the very beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1, we read how that God created the world, and after each day, he declared that it was good. And then on the sixth day, it says in Genesis 1.31 that God saw all that he had made, and he said it was very good. And then in Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, it says this, By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from his work, and God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it he rested from all of his work of creating all that he had done. I want to suggest to you, God didn't rest on the seventh day because he was tired. I mean, God's an omnipotent God, which means he can do anything and he never tires. God rested because creation was completed. Tim Keller suggests it this way. He says, rest is to be utterly satisfied with what has been done. I mean, the only way to be able to stop and to put your doing down is to be utterly satisfied in the doing. God rested on the seventh day because he, is, he was satisfied in what he had done. So our definition of rest is to be utterly satisfied with what has been done. Now that brings us back to this passage then. And in, in verse 28, Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, Jesus gives this invitation. And the invitation is, Come. The invitation is come. The first step to finding rest is to realize that you need it. It's to realize that you need to come and you need help. I mean, how often have we told ourselves we're exhausted that all we need to do is just work a little bit harder, right? If I could just call it, get caught up, then it would be, I'd be okay. That is not what Jesus is saying. He is saying, first of all, that we need to recognize that we have a need and because of that need, we come. Now, secondly, I want you to notice, he says, he tells us where to come. He says, come to me. Come to me. He tells us that we need to come to him. Our greatest need when we are restless and we are exhausted is to come to Jesus. What we need more than anything else is a relationship with God. We need someone to put things in perspective. We need somebody that we can talk to who can actually do something about the things that are causing us to be restless. You know, in Psalm 23, we've been taking a look at, at the life of David. In, in Psalm 23, David says it this way, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I mean, in other words, David is saying, I have found a place of rest in God. Now, in, in this passage, I want you to notice how Jesus describes you and me. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened. I mean, Jesus is describing people who are exhausted, that they're, they're weighed down, they're carrying this weight around. You know, in, in Matthew 23, 4, Jesus said it this way, speaking about the religious leaders of his day, he said that they just merely, they put heavy loads upon people's shoulders, these burdens. They're trying to please God, and they're trying to measure up by their own efforts. But they know that no matter what they do, it's never enough. It never ends. And even if they succeed, they know that they're still only one mistake away 
from failure. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden or who are weary and are burdened. And then notice what Jesus says. Jesus says that he will give you rest. All we need to do to get this rest is to receive it. Jesus says it's given to us as a gift. It's not something that we do or earn by working for it. To experience God's rest is to cease from all our efforts of self-help. It's to experience the freedom and cares and from the burdens that rob us of our peace and joy. Why? Because we've received Christ and he is now the one who is defining us. Let me ask this question. How is it possible for Jesus to give us rest so that this inner murmuring of self-justification is put to rest? Well, we know the Bible tells us the world we've all sinned, and because of our sin, no matter what work we do, we experience this restlessness inside. I mean, quite honestly, restlessness is really the essence of what sin is. Instead of finding our rest in God, we're looking for something or someone else to try to satisfy us. And so Jesus Christ, he came to this earth, he did the work that we couldn't do, he lived the perfect life that we should have lived, and as a result, Jesus now is able to be the substitutionary sacrifice for the debt of our sin, and that's why he died, that's why he went to the cross. The price of our sin was death, and Jesus at the cross cried out. He died for us, not for any sin that we have committed, or that he has committed, but for our sins so that we can be forgiven and declared righteous. Isaiah 57, uh, 20 and 21 says it this way. It says, The wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. I want to suggest to you that's a description of you and me apart from Jesus Christ. There's this restlessness. We have no peace. But Jesus on the cross experienced the infinite cosmic restlessness that you and I should have experienced so that you and I can experience rest. And when he cried out, it is finished, what was accomplished? All that was necessary to stop this inner murmuring of our souls. So now we measure up not because of anything that we have done, but because of Jesus Christ and what he has done in our place. That's why Jesus offers us this invitation to come. This is an invitation for those who have never repented of their sins and trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. It's certainly true for those, but it's also a reminder to us who are our believers that we cannot find rest apart from our relationship with Jesus Christ. So we hear Jesus' invitation to come to lay down our burdens upon him to experience this rest. And and then we have the next verse, verse 29. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And then he says, Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke. Now, we know a yoke, it's a piece of equipment, usually made of wood that fits over the neck and the shoulders of, of oxen, in order to prevent chafing to help the oxen to be able to pull a load. I mean, usually a yoke is used to connect more than one animal together 
so that they could work together and share, share the burden. I think we have a picture of, of, a, of a wooden yoke between some oxen there, and, and it helps them to, to share the load. Now, I, I want to suggest that this sounds very confusing. It, it sounds confusing. We, we just got done talking about rest. You know, most people think that what they need for rest is a mattress, right? Not a yoke. That's what they need to experience rest. And yet, Jesus says here that we need to put on a yoke. And if we do that, then we can find rest. And that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. But for those of us who have accepted Jesus' invitation to come, he's now presenting us a new way for us to go through life. In the past, you were trying to carry this burden on your own. And that was never going to work. I mean, you can't carry that burden. And that's the whole point of the cross. And Jesus is now presenting a new way to go through life, a new way to bear these responsibilities. Instead of offering you an escape from the pressures of life, he's offering you a new way to bear up under them. Being yoked together with Jesus doesn't mean we cease to do works, but we cease to do them as a way of of obtaining salvation or for us to be good enough. You know, when you're yoked together with, with someone who's much stronger, who bears most of the, wo- the weight? The one who's stronger bears most of the weight, don't they? And if Jesus, if, if, if all we have, we give it to Jesus, he's the one who's bearing up under it. If all Jesus gave you was a temporary escape, you would just go back to doing what you were doing before and you'd be stressed out again. But instead, he gives us a new way to go through these pressures. I mean, just picture yourself being yoked together with Jesus, right? I, I don't know. And any illustration I gave here is going to be inadequate. You know, so I was thinking about this. You know, so he's the Clydesdale, right? And you and I, we're the toy Barbie horse. You know, I don't know. That's the best I could come up with. Because, you know, but, but, the, but the reality is we have to show up. We, we need to be yoked together with him. I, I think there's a slide here. I mean, you just picture this. This, this horse, you know, there's the horse and the colt, and if you put those two together, who's going to be pulling the majority of the weight? It's going to be, it's going to be the, the mature horse. And certainly, like I say, that, all of that falls short when it comes to us being yoked together with Jesus Christ. But I want you to note, for us to be yoked together with Christ only happens if we are fully committed to him. I mean, the kind of rest that Jesus is offering is only available for those who are fully committed. I mean, one yoke together, one ox that's yoked together with another ox, all right, meant that they couldn't go separate ways. I mean, the only way being yoked together with Christ works is with full submission. I mean, think about that. I mean, if you are yoked together and you're not going in the same direction, it doesn't work. I mean, at worst, you're going to get drug along. The hardest way to live is the way most religious people live. Instead of surrendering fully to Christ, they adopt this religious checklist, right, of things that they got to do to keep God happy with them. And it just makes them more burdened and more busy. And they're not getting the benefit of the rest that comes from being fully committed and knowing that Jesus is pulling most of the weight in the yoke. Now, I want to suggest to you that the order of these verses is very significant. Notice the invitation comes first. The invitation to enter into relationship with Jesus comes first. We must allow our relationship with Christ to define us. That has to be, not what we do. 
You know, in, in, in Luke chapter 10, verses 17 to 20, Jesus sends out the, the, the disciples two by two. They, they, he sends them out to do ministry, to do service, and then they come back after having done ministry, and they're all excited about what, what God has done through, through them and, and the work that has been accomplished. But I want you to notice in this passage what Jesus tells them to be excited about. I think it's going to be up on the screen. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 to 20, it says, The 72 returned with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And then this is what Jesus says. He says, I saw Satan falling like lightning from the heavens. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and to scorpions and to come overcome all power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. But now listen to what he says. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. He says, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Do you catch what Jesus is saying here? These guys come back and they're all excited about what happened in ministry. And that's not a bad thing. But he tells them there's something more important. More important than what they've been doing is the fact that their names have been written in heaven. That they're children of God. Do you understand? We have to allow who we are to define us. We have to allow our relationship with God to be the source of our rest. It cannot be what we do. And if you want rest, you need to fully surrender in relationship to him. And if you're willing to do that, notice what Jesus says. Jesus says if you do that, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Now that doesn't mean there's not going to be challenges to life, right? That doesn't mean that, that, that things aren't going to be hard but, but if you're yoked together with him, he's promising that you'll never go it alone. I mean, the exciting thing about being yoked together with Jesus is he is right there with you, and he will help you to grow as you go through that. I mean, he actually says in this passage, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. You know, in Jesus' day, it was often said of a student that he was under the yoke of his teacher. I mean, undoubtedly, that Jesus, the, the, the picture Jesus is trying to call his disciples here to is that they need to willingly submit themselves to him as their instructor so that they can learn from him. And he is right there with them walking through this. And, and notice what the passage says he wants them to learn. He says, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Jesus is gentle and humble in heart. You know, we don't need to be afraid to be yoked together with Jesus. Why? Because he's not going to take advantage of us. He's not going to abuse the situation. He's not going to make our lives miserable. You know, the only place in the Gospels when Jesus describes his own heart is in this verse. I mean, if you were to think, you know, how, how do you think Jesus would describe his heart? Would you think that he would say, he's gentle and humble? That's what he says. 
He's gentle. He's not harsh. He's, he's not reactionary. He doesn't become easily exasperated and lose patience. You know, we might think he would say things like, well, that he's majestic and, and holy and almighty, and all those things are true, but that's not what he says. When he describes his own here, he says, I'm gentle. He says that, that I'm humble. He, he, he's approachable. He, he wants a relationship with us, and he demonstrates how much he loves us through the cross. I mean, how amazing is it that, that the God of the universe would describe himself as gentle and humble of heart? Many of you worried and tired here today, you know? Are you desperately in need of rest? And I'm not just talking about physical rest. Hopefully you took advantage of that extra hour. I'm talking about soul rest. The rest beneath the rest. If that's you, the invitation is come. It's come to Jesus. He invites you into a relationship with him. I'm just, I mean, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior from sin, I would invite you today to do that. I mean, acknowledge your sin before a holy God. Admit that you, have, you need to come. Admit your need for God's forgiveness and your willingness to turn away from sin and trust in Jesus' death on the cross as payment for you. Express that you desire to enter into this relationship with the risen Savior. I mean, if, if you've never do that, that, I've never done that before, that invitation is open for you. Come. You know, and if you sit here today as a believer, the invitation to come is for you as well. It may not be a call for salvation, but it is a call to renounce our self-effort, to trying to be good enough, and instead to come and to rest in Jesus alone and what he has done for you. You can stop trying to prove yourself. And whenever you find your soul restless, stop. And, and, and ask yourself the question, what is going on? In this moment, what is that I'm believing that I have to have other than Jesus that's causing to be me to be in turmoil? Now, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I'm preaching this sermon for me today. I need this sermon. Because I really struggle with this. I'm a very task-oriented person. And it's easy for me to find my identity in what I do. But you know, when you do that, you're always restless. You've, we've got to find our identity in Jesus. Now, for me, when I find myself being restless and try to identify what is that, I've got to come back and I've got to start preaching to myself. And you know, like one verse, for example. Romans 15, 7 says, Accept one another then, just as in Christ God has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Do you hear what's being said in that verse? It says that I am accepted in Christ. Right? So when I think I got to do all this stuff to be good enough so that I, right, measure up, no. <laughs> I got to come back and say, wait a minute. I'm already accepted. It's not what I do. It's what he's done. It's taken care of. You know? We got to do that. We got to start preaching to ourselves. And if I'm already accepted by God in Christ, right, I need to believe that and accept it is true. 
And as a result, then we willingly yoke ourselves to Christ and in tandem with him, we can do good works. Yes, we need to do good works. But we don't do them to try to measure up to be good enough. We do them because we're already good enough. Rest. To be utterly satisfied in what has been done. And what is it that's been done? Jesus has done it all. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Tim Keller says it this way. He says, apart from Christ, you will work even when you are resting. But with Christ, you can rest even while you're working. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this invitation. Thank you, Father, that you invite us to come to you. Lord, I pray for any in this room here today. Lord, if there's those who have never placed their faith and trust, I, take to, I pray today that, that would be, today would be the day that they would trust in you, that they would accept this invitation, that they would come. And Lord, I pray that, that you would help us, help us to be willing to put this yoke, to take this yoke, to join together with you. Thank you, God, that, that when we do that, that you lift the burden, that you help us. We don't do this alone. Father, help us to not be afraid to do that, to surrender to you, Lord. You tell us that you're gentle, that you're humble. And so I pray, Father, that, you know, for those who may be struggling here in this place today, Lord, that you would do a work. Lord, help them to be willing to repent of sin, things that they've been looking to and thinking that they'd have to have this other than you, this caused restlessness in their soul. Lord, help them surrender that to you, to take your yoke. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.